quickly here. This is, I've been on this actual subject for 12 weeks. This is the 12th week, and I started this in June. Uh, not every week, because I was off a couple of weeks there, but nonetheless, uh, this whole summer, I've talked about preparing yourself for Jesus' return. And so this will be, regardless, be the last lesson, and we'll start something fresh the next time. Is that good? Yes, it's good. So uh, I think it's the longest series I've ever had, but we've talked on so many things. And uh, I encourage you, if you haven't heard that, it's all online and you can uh, be a part of that. My notes are online, so uh, uh, go online to our website. Our notes are ready and available there. You can follow there. I usually, I just don't have time to share everything in my notes. Time is not necessarily my friend when it comes to speaking. So I have my notes available. So if you want more, more is absolutely available online. Wednesday night, for instance, I had 14 pages of notes. Now, I did that on purpose because those that are studious and want to know, it's there. And I made it easy for you, see? And you can just scroll and look, and there it is. But uh, Wednesday night, I talked about uh, an end-time update. There's a lot going on. How many know Jesus really could come back in your lifetime? Truth is, in just a few years, would you be ready for that? It's hard to see. Half, uh, only a few people said yes. Because it makes you think, Jesus, really coming back? Am I ready? That's the first thing. Am I ready? You know? Uh, uh, am I going to see my children grow up? Well, maybe in heaven, right? But Jesus is coming back ready or not, right? So we, we talked about that in great detail on Wednesday night. So I don't have, I can't cover all that today. I want to look at the other side of the coin on that. So if you weren't here Wednesday night, go back and you can view the video as well as see the notes. And I think it'll help you. So we are living in an unprecedented time just before Jesus comes back. And this is a time period uh, typified by change because it's the close of an age. It's the close of the church age. And, and it's the opening up. It's really strange to say, but it's an opening up of an age of judgment. And that's what the years just prior to Jesus' return will be. There will be a time of judgment. Judgment of Satan and the fallen angels and the demonic forces that have wrecked this world and brought great darkness. Judgment to the institutions and governments that have been in league with them. Uh, the Antichrist will be judged and all those who are in league with him with the global governance as well as the human personalities that have chose to resist and reject God and reject his will all of them will be judged so there is a day of wrath coming there is a day of judgment coming God is perfect and God is holy in all of his ways yes or no you see, one of the doctrines nobody wants to talk about in the Bible is eternal retribution and wrath and judgment. That is the other side of the character of God. Because he is pure, because he is hallowed, because he's holy, nothing that is impure or unhallowed or unholy can enter the gates of heaven. How many hear me? And then it just can't wander aimlessly, you know, throughout the eons of time among the stars and the planets and the constellations. No, there's somewhere for that's nebulous stuff that shouldn't be around to go and it's called the lake of fire and I don't know about you but I, I, I have dismissed my appointment with the lake of fire how about you uh, otherwise known as hell that's the holding tank and uh, I have an appointment with heaven how about you 
So if you haven't made that appointment, you can at any time uh, because uh, it's coming up sooner than we may realize. Uh, uh, so so la- uh, Wednesday night I talked about um, just what's coming, and I've been talking about that uh, in different ways for 12 weeks and how to prepare for that. Another thing that's coming, and this is what I want to magnify today, is there is coming a tremendous move of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about that. So think about it this way. The church age started with the power of God. In fact, Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead for 40 days and talked to them about the kingdom of God. John said in the last chapter of the book of John, uh, St. John, that uh, the gospel of John, that, um, that if it was written what Jesus did with his disciples, there wouldn't be a library big enough to hold it. There, there's a lot, so there's a lot that hasn't been said that did occur. But one thing Jesus did say to his disciples, he said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for my power. So along with the darkness that is rising that we feel and sense every day, there is a rising up of the power of God. And God wants the church to prepare itself and be ready for the power to come. Let me see, I heard at least seven or eight people go, uh-huh. Some people go, "Uh uh-huh, how about you? And I've shared this so many times, but you can never wear it out. Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2, Arise, shine, your light has come. The prophet Isaiah said over 700 years ago, And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And I believe it's a prophecy of the day just prior to Jesus' return. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. And that's the regime, the global governance that seems to be rising up that many governments in the nations of the earth want. And there's an element of the government in, the, in America that wants that. Did you hear what I just said? They want the global governments. They don't want the Constitution. They don't want you to have power and privilege. They don't want you to have rights. They want you to shut up and do what they say. Can we take a moment right now? Father, we pray for our nation. And we pray for the government of this nation. And I've been praying this, Lord, for... Uh, wow, for 11 years, bring to light the hidden things of darkness. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Make manifest the counsels of the heart with every person that is in the government of this nation. Bring to the surface those things that have been hidden, the subterfuge ways of the enemy that are seeking to kill, steal, and destroy in this nation. And Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name, bring a revival, bring a move of the Spirit of God in the government of this nation, among the people groups of this nation, in every state, in every city, in every township, we pray. Let there be a fresh move of God. Include us in that which you do all over the world. How many agree? In Jesus' name. So he says, behold, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. And his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, I'm gonna, I wasn't going to say this, but I keep hearing it. October 6, 2019 was uh, four years ago. Uh, today's the first, so the sixth would be what? Next Friday. And uh, I, that was a Sunday in 2019, and I was sitting on a stool right up here in the front, And we had a prayer meeting on Sunday nights, and I was praying. Now, we're a spirit-filled church. How many know what spirit-filled is? I'm going to talk about it today. That is, we've received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and we pray in the Spirit. So I was up here, and I was leading the prayer meeting. and, uh, And while I was praying, the Holy Spirit came on me. And when he came on me, I heard what he was saying, and here's what he said. 
In fact, it's at the bottom of my... I actually put it in the notes so you could read it. I just want to read a part of it. So uh, I have a journal that I keep, and I actually put this in my journal. I've gotten to wander all the way down to the end where it says additional things here, and here it is. Uh, Sunday, October 6th, this is from my journal during our prayer meeting tonight at 6. I had an unusual, and I think I made a misspeak, and I put usual. I had an unusual experience. After I talked about the importance of praying in the Spirit, I had that experience. I began to pray in what sounded like German. The interpretation was, and I'll talk about that in a minute, was that there would be an event that would be a huge challenge to our culture. Uh, that would move people towards God out of desperation. It would be sudden and would really jolt us. The other part of the interpretation was that God would fulfill Joel 2.28. Young people begin to have dreams. Jesus would reveal himself and they would respond. So uh, that was four years ago, Friday, and uh, six months later, COVID happened. When that happened, I went back and looked at my journal. That's what I'd prayed out. I had prayed out that there's something weird going to happen to the world. Did it happen? Now, here's what I think about a lot. Because, uh, because the first part of what God said to me, October 6th, sitting right up here, happened, and that was COVID. It changed everything, didn't it? Then, then here's the hope that I have and the faith that I have is the next part of it is ready to come to pass. That is the fulfillment of Joel 2.28. Well, what is Joel 2.28? Well, it will come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, probably because they're sleeping a lot. Upon your, your servants and handmaidens, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. Now, listen, that's going to be fulfilled. And we're in the middle of it. We're, we're right at the edge of it right now. And my encouragement is we all need to be getting ready for that. Yes or no? So now I'm going to go back for those that are on the screen. I'm going to go back to the beginning of my notes. So if you have been born again, now I mentioned this two weeks ago. Uh, last month, September 12th, I celebrated 47 years of being baptized with the Holy Spirit as a believer. And uh, if you have been born again, you are a candidate to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, there comes a potential to be used in spiritual gifts. I'm going to talk about spiritual gifts today. And that's the reason that they manifest is because of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to say this. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. How many were raised in a denominational church? Please raise your hand. Either Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Lutheran, Catholic. Let's see, what else? You know, and then you got the spirit-filled denominations, Assemblies of God, Church of God, Pentecostal Holiness, and there are many derivatives. There are hundreds of denominations and the derivatives, right? So there are Pentecostal denominations, and then we call them mainline denominations. I was raised in a mainline denominational church. Now, historically, they call where we live here in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, this whole area, the Bible Belt. How many were raised in the Bible Belt? Please raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of us, most of us. Some, we got some transplants, and we appreciate you being here. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> come on now. How many transplants are glad to be here? Yeah. So anyway, um, we call this the Bible Belt, and in the Bible Belt, you know, I, I, I think probably the largest denomination is Southern Baptist. How many uh, people were raised Southern Baptist? Raise your hand. Hey, 
Hallelujah, Southern Baptist. And I remember first grade, first grade class, I was thinking, you know, because, I mean, actually, this is in 1964. It dates me, right? So the, uh, the that teacher actually said, what church you attend? All, all the way through the whole 30 people in my class. And they told, I said, I go to Miss Baptist Church. And here's what I thought. See, John was a Baptist. Because John's was a Baptist, that's got to be right. It's a Baptist all the way, right? You know. That was my thinking. I'm no kidding as a kid. But let me say this. With the mainline denominations comes also um, a belief that hinders and destroys the power of God. And it's called cessationism. Everybody say cessationism. Uh, the root of uh, cessation is to cease. So what have they believed ceased? Now, cessationists believe, and this is mainline denominations that aren't Pentecostal, and they'll tell you this right up front because they've learned it in cemetery, I mean seminary. I said that on purpose. I've been to three schools. I know, I know what they teach. But just listen a minute. So they teach that with the last apostle, all of the gifts of the Spirit, all of the power of God, all of the healing power of God, all of the miracles ceased and were no longer needed. And they get that from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when it says, that which is when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Well, that's taken out of context. The context of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul was talking about when we get to heaven and we know even as we are known, <laughs> we'll know everything. We'll know everything we need to know then. But right now we know in part and we prophesy in part. Is that correct? But the cessationists say the, the, that which is perfect is the Bible. And I heard Kenneth Hagin say this, and uh, so he was uh, debating a guy, uh, Acts chapter 10, where Peter was preaching in a guy named Cornelius' house, and he was a Gentile. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all those who heard the word. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Brother Hagin said he was debating this guy, and that's one of the schools I attended, Ramah Bible uh, Rhema, uh, Bible Training Center and um, Bible College. And uh, Kenneth Hagin said to the guy when, uh, when he said that that was the, that the word of God, you know, took over and took the place of the moving of the spirit. Brother Hagin said, I wondered what that was that fell on those people in Acts 10 and fell on them and they got filled. It was the Bible. The Bible hit them on the head. He said the guy got so mad with him, he just walked off and said, I'll just forget it. So how many know cessationism? Now, this is not just my opinion. I had valid reasons for saying what I'm going to say. That cessationism is incorrect. You can't find one scripture. And that scripture is taken out of context that says the gifts of the Spirit cease with the ending of the apostolic age of the first century. In fact, Peter, preaching under the inspiration of the Spirit, said, For the promises to you, your children, and to all that are afar off, any, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Right? So the question I would have is, if it happened in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 8 in Samaria, in Acts chapter 9 with, with the apostle Paul, who was prenamed Saul and then became Paul, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, Gentiles... Ten years post-Pentecost received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 19 in, in modern-day Turkey, 
in, uh, in Ephesus, they found those that were uh, following John the Baptist got born again after being preached to. And then Paul laid hands on them after they had been born again, baptized in water. And received, they received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And that's 20 years past Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. That's the case. And if they needed, here's the question I have. If they needed the power of God in the first century because of the onus that was placed upon the masses of people by the Roman government and the persecutions that the church endured at its foundation and the terribleness of life and, the, and all, of the, um, all of the idolatry that people embraced that was just immoral to the nth degree, do we need the same power today? Do we have the same problems confronting us that they had in the first century? Do you think God would leave us alone to ourselves without the ability that he even gave the first century church, knowing that we're going through maybe something worse than they did? No, of course. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is still available today. Yes or no? So see, I understand with a crowd this size and then those that are watching online who are cessationists, I encourage you to search the scriptures whether these things be so. Go right back and read Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 19 and look at the scriptures that talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned two weeks ago, I was a young man just before my 18th birthday being raised in a Southern Baptist church never having heard about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Uh, my mother received it in 1975 and I went to a church and received it uh, in the evening service September 12th 1976 and it revolutionized my world and it gave, put boldness in my life. It gave me an ability to, uh, to um, uh, just understand the scriptures in a way I never had. And then I think the uh, bone of contention that a lot of people have with the baptism with the Holy Spirit is that it gives you a new way to pray and it doesn't make any common sense at all. And that is when they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit uh, inspired them. That happened in Acts 2, it happened in Acts 8, happened with the Apostle Paul. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you put together. He must have did it a lot. And then, uh, you know, Acts 10 in Cornelius' household and then Acts 19 in the city of Ephesus. All of these people, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other languages that they never learned. Now, that happened to me that September 12, 1976 in the evening. Once I received that experience out of my, Jesus said, if you believe on me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, John 7, 37, 38. By this, he spake of the Spirit that they which believe on him would receive. None of this is in my notes, by the way. Uh, the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus wasn't yet glorified. He's talking about the Holy Spirit baptism. He's talking about rivers of living water. You know, a lot of believers are real dry today. Have you noticed? Huh? And, and Jesus wants to put some water on your dry. Do you hear me? And I just want to tell you, back years ago, that's 47 years ago, I received... The baptism with the Holy Spirit, I have, I've had people spit on me, slobber on me, fuss at me, call me all kinds of names because I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit and I just won't back down. And they say, that's not for today. I say, well, you know what? A, a person with an argument is never at the mercy uh, or uh, is, is always at the mercy of a person with an experience. I know what Jesus did for me. I've been walking in this for 47 years. I still have a sound mind. Now, you can challenge that if you like. 
But I still know how to tie my shoes and, you know, count and multiply and divide and add and subtract and read. But, you know, the Spirit of God wants to manifest himself in human behavior. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is designed by Jesus to bring power to the life of the believer. Did y'all forget that Jesus told the early believer, the early church, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, John, baptized with water. Acts 5, uh, 1, 5. But you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he said you'll receive power. That Greek word for power is the word dunamis. We get dynamic, dynamo, dynamite from the word dunamis. It means inherent ability. It's a, it's a power that changes. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right? So Jesus expected his people to walk in his power throughout their entire lifetime. And, God, and Jesus also furthermore expected his people to speak in a new language that the Holy Spirit gave them, which was a communication ability between the human and the divine. Praying in the Spirit, or people call it praying in other tongues, the King James Version says, it's your human spirit that's been energized by the Holy Spirit talking to God who is a spirit about things your mind doesn't know or understand. And let me just tell you, I've lived long enough and I could stay, I'm not making, I'm not even exacerbating, I'm not stretching this. I could stay here all day long and tell you story after story after story after story. 1976, 1977, 1978, 1979, all through the era, eras of my life and all of the things that has transpired every day of my life I've spent praying in the Spirit, exercising that vocal gift that comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what's happened. It's brought me not further away from Jesus, it's brought me closer to him. And it's made the word of God the most important uh, thing in my life. How many hear what I'm saying? Jesus started his ministry with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It just happened that when he was baptized in water, he also at the same time was also baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he said in Acts 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, right? It wasn't him that did it. The Holy Spirit anointed him to do it don't forget Jesus when he was on earth you read the four gospels and Jesus healed people and raised them from the dead cast out devils and all kinds of stuff like that don't forget he didn't do it by the power of his office as being the son of God he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit and he didn't didn't do anything before age 30 I mentioned that two weeks ago remember now he gave us an example and he, listen to what now now listen to what he said to us he gave us an example. Now, I'm skipping around on my notes, y'all. John 14, most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, his disciples, he who believes in me, and this wasn't just for the first century, it's for all the centuries of church life. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. If Jesus healed the sick, does he expect us to be used in ministering healing to the sick? If Jesus raised up lame people, does he expect that we would do the same? If Jesus healed all kinds of diseases and afflictions, did he expect that we would do the same? If Jesus cast out devils, did he expect that we would exercise authority over the demonic in the lives of people? Yes or no? If Jesus raised the dead, did he expect that we would raise the dead? Yes, he did. 
He said again, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do. That's pretty cool. Why? Because I go into my Father. And whatever you ask or demand, the word literally reads in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. It's as though Jesus said, whatever you do in my name, I show up and I do it through you. Now that was because of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. There are nine spiritual gifts that manifest in the lives of people that are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, don't forget, did no miracles until John chapter 2 where he turned water into wine at a wedding and I don't even have time to go there, but that's what he did. And that was it was a working of miracles that manifest. Water actually became became grape juice. It's just incredible what happened. And uh, it was a miracle. That didn't happen until Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. There is no record of Jesus healing anyone or performing any miracles until after the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It just happened to be when he was also baptized with water. Are you hearing me? And so in the, in the, uh, in the church and the centuries that follow, Jesus expects the church to walk in the same power that he walked in. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are the power of God. Now, let me make this statement because people don't understand the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, anything that God does, anything, anything out of the ordinary that God does comes under the auspices of one or more of these nine spiritual gifts that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Did you hear me? So anything that God does comes under the auspices of these gifts. So let me read them to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. I know I'm skipping all around on my notes, but y'all can read them in sync. I just have to follow the Holy Ghost when I talk. Is that all right? I follow my no my, the Holy Ghost, not my notes. There, there is an assist. So there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And then he says, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. See, the Holy Spirit manifests different ways in different people. Is that correct? Um, but it is the same God, and there are diversities of activities, differences of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all, all the spiritual gifts in all of the ministry places in the body of Christ. Then he says, verse 7, but the manifestation or the outshining of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then he enumerates and lists nine spiritual gifts that operate in the lives of people baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the same Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same spirit works all these things. What are these things? These nine spiritual manifestations or gifts, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Would everybody with me say individually as he wills? When you read these nine spiritual gifts, the list of them, Understand that you can't pick and choose and say, well, I want to work in the miracles or I want the gifts of healings or I want discerning. It doesn't work that way. It is as the Spirit wills and then you can't turn them on and off. 
anytime you want them to have them manifest. You have to walk with God, walk in the Spirit, seek His face, listen to His voice, and listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and He will guide you into what He wants you to do and how He wants you to minister. Yes or no? So see, so understand that He gives some qualifications to these gifts. It'd be pretty dangerous if God said, well, you can get any of them you want, use them any way you want to. Our, our, <laughs> our pride would mess that completely up. Would you agree? And that's what's happened in the body of Christ already, huh? You can't pick and choose him. You have to make yourself again available. There are three things. Let me talk about this, and then I want to just quickly list them. I have teachings online. In fact, I taught in detail on each of the nine spiritual gifts. It took me a while on Wednesday nights. That That is online. You can go there and find the uh, gifts of the Spirit, that's a whole teaching, and I go into exhaustive detail on that. I just don't have time this morning, but I do want to hit the high spots. There are three things necessary for the Holy Spirit to use anyone in spiritual gifts. Are you interested in knowing what they are? The first one is love. How do they manifest? They manifest because you love people. Uh, because you care about people. But Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw uh, thousands of people that had, no, that had no food and they were walking about a sheep having no shepherd. And he told his disciples to sit them down and feed them in the working of miracles manifested. Or Jesus, after John the Baptist was his first cousin, was decapitated, uh, he looked at the multitudes again and he had compassion on them and the gifts of healings manifested and he healed the whole crowd, see? So, so what did that love? If you want the Holy Spirit to use you in spiritual gifts, you have to love people. If you're full of angst and aggravation, he's gonna leave you alone. And most other people will leave you alone too, by the way. I've noticed. First Corinthians 12, 31, uh, Paul said this, I earnestly desire the best gifts, yet I show to you a more excellent way. Excellent way where? A more excellent way into the, to being used in spiritual gifts. And that excellent way is love because he just talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, spiritual gifts. And then he talked about the, uh, the, the uh, Christians being a body of believers that are united to Jesus. And all of us have a different way of doing things. And we have different offices and that we stand in and different, different gifts that Jesus has given us. And then he said, let me show you the way into the operation of these spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 13. What does he talk about? Love, yeah. First Corinthians 14, 1, he said this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And then amplified New Testament, it amplifies the original meaning of the Greek language. I love this. Eagerly pursue. Everybody say eagerly pursue. And seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Now, I like that. Let me ask you a question. Are you pursuing love? Are you putting aggravation and angst behind you? Are you choosing to love people you don't like? Huh? Right? I don't care what they look like. I don't care about the color of their skin, who they are, what they do, where they live, how they act. Jesus said, love them. Right? And that's the first, that's the first thing necessary for Holy Spirit to manifest spiritual gifts is that you just simply love people. Eagerly pursue, seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. And then uh, the second thing necessary for the Holy Spirit to use you is unity. If you're gossiping, causing strife, discord, and division, the Holy Spirit will absolutely leave you alone. 
In fact, there's a theme, and I've read this for years, and I, I just chronicled it in the notes. I, I'm going to read just some phrases here. All, if you go look through the first, uh, looks like I've got the first five books of the book of Acts over and over again. There is a theme, and that theme is unity. Notice again, uh, Acts 1.14, after Jesus had ascended to heaven, these all, the, dis, uh, the uh, disciples, uh, continued with one accord. Everybody say, with one accord. In prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers, they were in the upper room. Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, say it again with me, with one accord in one place. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need now that is not a scripture saying that socialism is right or that communism is right no they joined themselves together because they were in dire straits and they were they were people that had stuff and there were other people that had nothing the people that had something said let me give of what i have right and we we will do that these days too right sure and so he said um verse 46 so they continued daily can you read that with me with one accord in the temple, breaking of bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart. Acts 4, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. It says it again. Acts 5, 12, the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Uh, Kenneth Hagin uh, was born in 1917. He died in 2003. 1934, he was raised from a deathbed supernaturally by the power of God by believing. Mark 11, 23 and 24, you can read his testimony. It's in print and you can hear it in audio form on the website of Kenneth Hagin Ministries. Nonetheless, um, uh, Kenneth Hagin uh, operated in the power of God and operated in spiritual gifts in a tremendous way. Did you hear what I'm saying? And he said he would go to churches after God called him. He preached in churches. He pastored for about 12 years. Then he went out into a traveling ministry and traveled in different churches. And I heard him say this. Susan, I lived in Tulsa for eight years. And uh, I was on staff at a large church there. And then when I could, I would frequent the meetings that Kenneth Hagin had on, on their uh, uh, campus because I learned he was one of my spiritual fathers. So I heard him say this over and over again as he traveled. He noticed, he noticed that he'd go into a church and he said the people loved him, they loved his ministry, loved his preaching and teaching, but never could get spiritual gifts to manifest in that church. He said he'd go to another church, said the same thing, people loved him, loved his ministry. But I mean, moment he got there, spiritual gifts would manifest. And he frequently operated in discerning of spirits. He would see into the spirit realm. I'll talk about this in a minute. He would operate in the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the gifts of healings and working of miracles. He would. And then he would also operate in uh, the gift of prophecy and different kinds of tongues interpretation. And uh, as he ministered and traveled, he said there were churches he could hardly get the Holy Spirit to move at all. Other churches just very free. And he said, Lord, why in the world? It's so startling to me that one church, they all seem the same. And the Lord just basically said to him, you'll need to check up on the church itself. Is there unity in the church? Where there's no unity, the gifts will not manifest. That's why I urge you as a pastor, I don't care how you're influenced, where you're from, don't gossip and talk about people behind their back. Some people have a family that does that. Have you noticed? 
Some people, that's just the way they live. They talk about people and say things that shouldn't be said. That shouldn't be the part, a part of a believer's life. Yes or no? Does that create unity or disunity? When you criticize and find fault with others behind their back. See, that's one of the, we don't allow that on our staff team. In fact, if, if we find it on our staff team, guess what? Bye, we love you. We just don't allow it. And with our volunteers, with those that help us, we, we just don't allow gossip and all that because see, it stifles and hinders the Holy Spirit. So let me just say in passing as a pastor, if you're challenged and you find yourself going to the gossip box, wherever that is at work or, you know, wherever, it might be a, might be a restaurant and several people are talking, no, don't be doing that. A lot of people have the pastor and his staff for dinner on Sunday. Don't do that, Right? Because unity, it takes unity. So love, unity, if you want the Holy Spirit to manifest. Thirdly, desire. Everybody say desire. Again, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. The Greek word is zelu. We get our word zealous from that word. So it's a really interesting word. Um, The Passion Translation of that verse says this, but you should all constantly boil over with passion in seeking the higher gifts. Don't you like that? And then 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Again, it's that word zealous. Be zealous for spiritual gifts. Question, are you zealous for the things of God? Are you zealous for the Lord to do something? Yes or no? See, if you're not zealous, start becoming zealous and desirous of spiritual gifts. God wants to use every believer in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? Zechariah 10.1 says this, Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. And Bible scholars all agree that water is a type of the moving of the Holy Spirit and rain is a type of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Here he talks about the latter rain. That's talking about the moving of the Holy Spirit just before Jesus comes back. So ask the Lord for rain. I started doing this way back in the early 80s. Lord, bring the rain. Lord, let there be a moving of the Holy Spirit all over the world. Lord, let there be a fresh moving of the Holy Spirit in the church I attended at the time. Lord, let there be a moving of the Holy Spirit in my own life right see if you'll pray that way God will answer your prayer so you know love unity and desire everybody say love unity desire those are three ingredients that help foster the manifestation of spiritual gifts now the next thing I want to say is this God doesn't want to just use pastors and those in ministry and spiritual gifts or church staff he wants to use every believer in gifts of the spirit now now here's a question when's the last time you asked the Lord God, use me in spiritual gifts. When's the last time? Uh, let me ask you this. Do you, when you go out every day, whether you got a day off or you're working, you're going to school or whatever you're doing, when's the last time you said, God, now I'm available and open. If you want to use me to minister life to someone and use spiritual gifts, count me in. Do you pray that way? If not, can I encourage you? Add that to what you pray every day. Yes or no? I learned years ago, I learned years ago, before I even go to a church service, I say, God, have your way in that church meeting. Now, unless I'm uh, ministering or with someone, I generally will go to a church where they believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, right? And generally speaking, if there's a church that is closed to the moving of the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Spirit, I'm probably not going to attend that church unless I'm going with somebody for a particular reason. 
Whether you like that or not, that's me. I do that on purpose. I want, where, I want to be where the Holy Spirit is. I, I fail to really understand people that are baptized by the Holy Spirit choosing to go to a church that won't even acknowledge that the Holy Spirit can do one inkling different than what the bulletin says for crying out loud. Right? And here we are now, all these years later, after the charismatic movement, which was a movement that started in the late 1950s, that brought a lot of churches into the baptism with the Holy Spirit. A lot of denominational people got baptized with the Holy Spirit in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And now we turned into the 21st century. You know what? Churches, by and large, have turned all that off. Even people who were filled with the Holy Spirit have said, whoa, 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 we don't want to be doing that because we might turn people off. Well, that's why everybody's turned off. That's why we're having the problems we're having now. We left the Holy Spirit out of the church. Is that a problem or not? It's a big problem. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, stir it back up. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, take me out of the closet. I hear him saying, let me be what I want to be and let me do what I want to do, right? Now, in your life, now, now because of what's happened in the church as a whole, see, in individual lives, people have just kind of not been there and not been desirous, but I want to encourage you to stir up the desire for gifts of the Spirit. You hear me? Now, all my life, I'm talking all my life, I've asked the Lord, any church I've attended, before I, before I attend the church service, I say, Lord, let spiritual gifts manifest as you will. I'll never forget. In 19, I think this was like 1991. I had a traveling ministry. And then I had a business that I ran during the week to augment my income. And then I think at the time, 91. Yeah, we had three children, not four. Later, we had Lindsay. But uh, Susan worked nights at a hospital. Remember that? Wasn't that a lot of fun? Hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> And so I had my business during the day, and then I had to go pick up uh, my da daughters from childcare and such and from school. And uh, we were just really, really busy. In fact, and then Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights, uh, I took them to church. And Susan went to work at 7, what, seven o'clock at night, worked till 6 or 7 in the morning, just gracious. Graveyard shift is tough. God bless you if you're in it. Uh, but I took care of the kids and fed them and, you know, Bathed them, fed them, prayed with them, and, you know, read with them, put them in bed and all. And then I would do my business late at night. Well, anyway, I, I, uh, I took the uh, kids to church on Wednesday nights. And this particular Wednesday night, I was just dog, dead, beat, tired. Do you know what I mean by that expression? I was just done. <laughs> in fact, I hadn't sat down all day. I was busy all day. And it's like, I can't wait to, wait to get my rump in that seat. I don't believe God I won't go to sleep. And then on the way to church, I remember praying. I remember where I was on the road. I said, now, Lord, have your way tonight. And let the gifts of the Spirit manifest tonight because people need you. And then I said this, Lord, let prophecy happen as you will. And then I said, Lord, now I'm tired, but I'm open. If, you, if, you, if nobody you can't use anybody else, you can use me. And I pulled into the parking lot, put my kids in children's church, got in there, and we, I was so tired during praise and worship, but all of a sudden during praise and worship, we got to one song, and that's how the Holy Spirit is. We got to one song, and oh my, I felt something rising up inside me, and then I felt, talk about it in a minute, the gift of prophecy rise up, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, now speak out what you're hearing. I said, I don't want to do that in front of all these people. He said, do it anyway. You got to do it anyway. Yeah, but I might mess up. Well, you might do it right too. So I just did it. 
It changed the whole nature of the whole atmosphere. Truth is, truth be told, I hold, held back, wasn't going to say anything. And I'm no kidding. The pastor stood up and said, somebody's got a word and you haven't given it out and you need to do it now. And I went, blah, here I went. You know, it's like, okay. See how the Holy Spirit is? Now listen to me. If you have those kinds of experiences, you will keep Jesus stirred up in your life all the time. Did you hear me? It's not up to me to keep you stirred up. It's not up to Jesus to keep you stirred up. you got to stir yourself up. Yes or no? Stir up the gift of God that's in you. How do you keep it stirred up? Well, pray in the Spirit, fellowship with the Lord, have your word time, your prayer time, and then ask God to use you in spiritual gifts. Yes or no? My notes keep moving around. I guess they want me to do something different. But I want to talk right now in my notes now. Now, I don't have time. to. I've got to do this very quickly. I want to talk to you about the nine spiritual gifts and how they manifest and what they do and how they operate. Just a real quick overview. And I've got more uh, in the... Um, in the notes that I have given you today. And then online, I have exhaustive notes about spiritual gifts. Every one of them, I have a lot to say and give clear, significant spiritual examples. And then I have personal anecdotes uh, of how God has used me in some, not all of these gifts. I'm not used in all of them. Here's what you'll notice with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you'll ask the Lord and just say this, Lord, whatever gift or gifts of the Spirit you want to use me in to minister life to others, make me a blessing. Let me also say this. If you're in it so people to think you're real spiritual, it won't work. You know, just because you operate in spiritual gifts is no sign that you're a spiritual person. Don't forget God used a donkey in the Old Testament. So if you're used in spiritual gifts, you're good as a donkey. It doesn't mean that you're a spiritual person. Did you? And you, you can't, you can't uh, spiritual gifts are no gauge for spirituality. They could be a gauge for spiritual sensitivity, but not spirituality, right? So you got to know the difference. Nonetheless, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. And, they, and what you'll find out is God will use you in, in some of them. But not all of them. Jesus, John 3, 34, had the Spirit without measure. And you know what that means? He was used in all of the spiritual gifts that manifested under the Old Covenant, in the Old, Old Covenant Testament time. Uh, tongues and interpretation are distinctive of the New Testament era. Different kinds of tongues with interpretation did not operate under the Old Covenant because they weren't baptized with the Holy Spirit yet, Right? Only the prophet, priest, and king had the Holy Spirit within them. The Holy Spirit came upon them for acts of service. But not until the New Testament time when people were born again could the Holy Spirit come and live inside of us. Aren't you glad he lives in you? And then when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, the possibility for these gifts to, to manifest is there in a strong way. But you have to love people. You have to walk in unity. And you've got to want them and desire them to manifest, right? So question, do you want people to be helped? then you should say, Lord, use me in spiritual gifts. And then if you've got this pride thing about you and you think it makes you a better person, people look at you like, that's a spiritual person. Man, you need to hit, you need to suck some rug. I mean, you need to get on your knees and pray. Say, God, I'm full of pride, right? So I'll never forget Dick, i get off a little bit. Dick Mills was a man from, he's going to be with Jesus now. Actually, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible edited by Jack Hayford came out in the early 1990s. Um, uh, Dick Mills was a scholar in his own right and understood Hebrew and the Greek language well, but he was also a prophet, and he would look at you. In fact, he prophesied to Susan and I, April 20th, 
1988. Remember that, Susan? It was a Sunday night. And he gave us a whole series of scriptures that just showed what our life would be the ensuing years. And just what he said happened. And he wrote it on a piece of paper and said, it's turnaround time. Well, Dick Mills uh, came to our church here back in the 90s. And then before here, the church I was at in South Carolina, he came. And he ministered one night and ministered powerfully by the Holy Spirit. He was used, and I will talk about it in a minute, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge and all that. And, uh, and the gift of prophecy and was just tremendous. And, uh, I mean, he would say stuff that make your hair stand up on end if you had hair. That was just crazy. And, and I couldn't find him after the service had packed the place out. We advertised and packed the service out, you know, and lots of people there. And I couldn't find him after a service. Now, I'm making a point. I couldn't find him. I said, where's Dick Mills? Everybody said, where's Dick Mills? I said, I have no idea. And I went to where the pastor's office was. And I was pastoring the church on behalf of a pastor at the time. Can't tell the story. Don't have time. But I walked in, the door was ajar. It was open about six, eight inches or so, just a little bit. And there was a light, just a, a lamp on, on a table by a, by a wingback chair right, right near the door. And I just, when I looked in the door, I saw the visage of someone. And it was Dick Mills. And you know what he was doing? He was an aged man. He was in his 80s. Y'all, I can't tell you what it did to my heart. <laughs> I looked in there in that office. And there he was in the chair. And he had his coat over his knee, over his legs. And he had his eyes closed and his hands up like this. And I said, Dick, don't you want to go talk to people? He said, Mitch, when God uses me the way he used me tonight, I always get off by myself and I wait on the Lord and I tell him how much I love him and I tell him I humble myself. Now, y'all, I, I can't tell you what that did to my 20-something-year-old heart. Do you understand? Well, 30-something-year-old heart at the time. You understand? If you got any pride in you, you need to lay it low. Because God using you is not about you. It's all about him. How many hear me? So you got nine spiritual gifts real quickly. Everybody okay? Because I'm about, to, about done. So nine spiritual gifts. Number one, you've got the word of wisdom. Everybody say the word of wisdom. And it says the word. That means it's a fragment of God's all-knowing, Right? So the word of wisdom never has to do with the past or present. It always has to do with God's future dealings. The, it, it's a word of God's wisdom about what is going to happen in the future. That's the highest type of information God could give a person. So maybe that's one of the choicest spiritual gifts. So God can only use a person if they're humble in the word of wisdom. You hear me? So you got to be careful. So let me just say this, the gift of, I'm going to skip ahead. Everybody say the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is simply inspired utterance. That is, it's inspired or quickened by the Holy Spirit. And when the prophecy comes, it's words that come to you and you didn't think them up. They didn't come from your head. They come from your heart. God deposits it there and he quickens something on the inside of you. Here's what's happening today. People are taking the gift of prophecy and mixing it with the word of wisdom and saying what's going to happen. Anytime prophecy tell you, prophecy just edifies it builds you up, exhorts, it calls you near, and comforts, makes you feel better. Doesn't tell you anything about your future. You just lift the, lift the simple gift of prophecy when you talk about the future, right? There's a lot of people on Facebook today. Can I say it? They're talking all about the future and what's going to be happening. Well, if it didn't come to pass, they're a false prophet. Then they need to shut up. That doesn't sound kind, but it's true. 
The word of wisdom is about the future. See, God, it, how does that work? Usually these things, it's just like you have this something inside. For me, because I'm a wordsmith, I love words. When I get to heaven, I just hope I have a big old place with lots of books and words. I love words. I just love words. And, and God will speak to me with words. Now, for years now, just one word, he'll speak to me. Well, the word of wisdom will come. Words will come up inside and you don't know why they're there but they're used to minister life to someone the word of knowledge everybody say the word of knowledge see the word of knowledge is a fragment of God's all knowledge it's not everything it's just a little bit but the word of knowledge has to do with with past or present but never the future and it talks about people places or things I think is it on the screen so that's, so that's what the word of knowledge does. So, so it doesn't never talks about the, about the future. So the word of knowledge, you just with someone and suddenly you don't know how. You didn't figure it out in your head. You just know something. Now, frequently as a pastor, I will stand up like intermission between praise and worship and preaching. And I'll say, there's someone here, yada, yada, yada. I'll say something. And uh, that will be a word of knowledge. Well, God does that. I've been being, being used in the word of knowledge. Oh, uh, Wow, I would say since the early 80s, I was, in, I was teaching a new, new believers class, first time I can consciously remember. I may have had it before. But while I was preaching, I said, somebody in here, teaching that class, somebody in here, um, you, you've had a problem with thoughts of suicide. And I was scared to say it, and, and that's what it is. These things come, at, well, what if it's not right? Well, tell the person, well, I must have had one too many pieces of pizza. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. That was just me. And I always challenge people. If, if that's not, if it's personal, I'm talking to a person, and, and I may say, I perceive X, Y, Z, and I'll say, if that's not right, just forget it, right? But this person at the end of the class, they come up and said, they were weeping. They just came to the Lord, been on drugs, that's me. And I was able to pray with them. I break the power of that thing off of them. See, the word of, word of knowledge, it tells you about things that are happening so you can minister to someone. So how many would be open to the Lord, for the Lord to use you in the word of knowledge? Let me tell you what happens when the Holy Spirit manifests inside of you. It feels like, uh, you know what it's like to blow up a balloon. If you only hear me on the audio, I'm making my hands get bigger, bigger, bigger because the balloon's getting bigger. So, so inside of you, when the Holy Spirit quickens you inside, it's like something blowing up inside. And then when it blows up, that, that's the anointing. That's the presence of Jesus will quicken inside you. And then it'll quicken with words. Just words. Sometimes the word of knowledge is a dream. March 2015, I was right back there kneeling on a Saturday in a chair praying. And it had a very vivid, I guess it was a, mini, a vision. My eyes were shut. Uh, but I saw a, a cloud. A, a, I think I mentioned this uh, some weeks ago. I saw like a, a, a front cloud that was very dark and ominous and was just passing over us. And, and I was underneath it. And, uh, and one of my daughters was, was there. And, uh, and the cloud, we all looked at the cloud. It looked so foreboding and low and dark. And I put my hand like this to my daughter and said, everything's going to be okay. Now I knew that front cloud. Now I didn't know what it was then. So that was that that was a that was actually a word of wisdom. And God was showing me that there was going to be a there was going to be a change in the atmosphere of the world, but that we would be okay. 
And God would use me to tell people you're going to be okay and to help lead them and direct them during that time. Does that make sense? Now, the word of knowledge will sometimes come, come that way. That is, you'll see something. For instance, um, for instance, uh, Peter was praying, remember, and had a trance, or fell into a trance, had a vision and saw a, and saw a, and saw a, um, a sheet let down from heaven with all kinds of animals. And, and God said, uh, slay them, eat them. Even there, don't, don't call what God's cleansed unclean, right? And, and God was saying to him, I've, I've allowed Gentile people that aren't, aren't Jews to come into the Christian faith, right? So see, that was the word of knowledge. God showed him something that existed and then gave him a word of wisdom as, to, uh, as well. So when these gifts manifest, understand they start on the inside. They start with a fragment of words, just a phrase. Does that make sense? The word of wisdom does, the word of knowledge. Then discerning of spirits. Everybody say discerning of spirits. Yeah. Discern means to see. This is not the ability to look at somebody and say, you cook it. No, that's the gift of suspicion. Everybody's got that. <laughs> Discerning of spirits is you actually see, discern me, you see into the spirit realm. The prophet in the Old Testament was called a seer. Isaiah saw the Lord in Isaiah 6, high and lifted up, right? He saw into the spirit realm. Uh, Elijah, remember? Uh, he saw into the, Elisha saw into the spirit realm and saw the angelic horsemen that surrounded them and protected them and helped them, Right? And on and on and on, we could go discerning of spirits. Uh, Zechariah, uh, John the Baptist's father, uh, he went into the temple uh, to, to do his priestly service, and there was an angel. That was discerning of spirits. Mary, Mary, a 16-year-old girl, an angel appeared to her and said, Mary, you're highly favored. That was the discerning of spirits. She saw into the spirit realm, right? Um, Peter was in prison, Acts 12, remember? Huh? Peter's in prison and, and suddenly an angel appears, discerning of spirits, right? Acts 27, Paul's on this ship and, and the big storm blew up and man, they feel like they're gonna die and an angel appears to him in Acts 27, I think it's verse 14, remember? See, that's discerning of spirits, it means to see in the spirit realm. I've never had that gift. If you have that gift, you'll know it. <laughs> We've got some people in our church that exercise that gift, but they never tell people. Because people freak out. How many know there is a spiritual realm? It's just as real as the three-dimensional world that we live in. But you can't see it unless God allows. I wouldn't pray for that gift because it takes a lot of maturity to handle it. Did you hear me? Kenneth Hagin had that gift on uh, November 2nd, 1985. Jesus appeared in visible manifestation to him in front of us while we were in a meeting. And he talked about it. He had that, but see, he had some humility about it. My mother had discerning of spirits one time and saw Jesus in our house in 1975. And I don't have time to tell the story. Remember that, Mom? She's watching. Remember that, Mom? <laughs> then you've got the gift of faith. Everybody say the gift of faith. The gift of faith is an ability uh, uh, for that which is uh, spoken by God or man to come to pass. So the gift of faith, I, I operate, operate in the word of knowledge. I have the word of wisdom. And then the gift of faith, I didn't know what it was for a long time. I would be praying for people, for instance, to be healed. I'll talk about the gifts of healings. In a, everybody okay? I'm about done. Gifts of healings in a minute. But um, anyway, I'd be praying for people. People come up as a pastor to be prayed for and such. And I would pray for people. But the weirdest thing would happen when I'm praying for people. It's like, you know, I just know. If I say this and they let me say it this way, that this, this malady will be overdone. 
And I started saying, now I'm going to say this, and, you, and here's what I would say. You will come back and tell me that this left you. And there's something inside of me with conviction when I said that, that I knew full well, if I could say it that way, the person would be healed. Gift of faith. And I don't know, over the years, I mean, lots and lots of people have come back to me after the fact. They generally don't come back and say, let me tell you what happened. Well, come and tell me, I need to hear. But um, I would just say it that way, and then that the gifts of healings would manifest, and that gift of faith would drive that malady out of their body. Gift of faith is amazing. Special faith. Actually, the Greek says. And then there is the uh, gift of working of miracles. Everybody say working of miracles. Um, working of miracles, quite simply, is where God just sets aside the laws of physics as we know them. And he just does what only he can do. He, he made the laws. He can change them. And he can override them. So the First uh, Kings 17, remember the widow that had no food and was going to give it to Elijah? He said... He said, you give me your last piece of bread, your last little bit of olive oil, and your bread urn will never run out, and the oil won't start coming. And there was a working of miracles manifest. How would you like not to have to go back to the grocery store to buy bread? How would you like for your olive oil urn? It just keeps pouring, and it never stops. Isn't that great? Working of miracles. Jesus multiplying the five loaves and two fishes. Somebody said they were big loaves in those days. Well, a little boy carried them in his lunch. Give me a break, right? Come on. Come on. You know, the 6,000 men plus women and children were fed over 10,000 people with 12 baskets full left of. That's, that's the working of miracles. How about, how about Jesus says, peace, be still. Well, that's the gift of faith and the working of miracles because it calmed down, right? And then Jesus gets, comes from the shore, disciples in the boat, and he's walking on the water. You can't do that. Try it today, this afternoon. Fill your bathtub up and see what happens to you. Right? That's working. It's, it's, it, God can do that. And you know, in the future, God will do that when we need it because we live in the land of Goshen. Right? God's promised to take care of us, yes? Then you have the, the uh, gift of um, gifts of healings. They're actually plural in the Greek language. Gifts of healings. And this is uh, healing by the Holy Spirit alone without the aid of any uh, human, uh, human cure. There's no medical science involved whatsoever. God just simply does it himself. Now, gifts of healings are part of the body of Christ. In fact, the scripture says, does it not? Mark 16, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover, right? Is any sick among you? James 5, 14, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick, right? So we have the New Testament uh, admonishment to lay hands on the sick and the gifts of healings will cause them to be cured. Now, I've, I now operate in the gifts of healings. For me, I can't tell you when it's going to manifest, but sometimes it does. Any, any problem you got from your neck on down to gastrointestinal, it'll be healed. I've had that happen for years. Backs, I don't know why. 
But people, I've had a lot of people with their backs get healed for me. Other people, Kenneth Hagin, for instance, anybody that had a tumor, that tumor could disappear. Cancers would just disappear. But see, that's the gifts of healings. That's the gifts that worked in him. Others I've heard about, read about. Uh, uh, some people just very proficient in having people healed of, of ear problems, ear conditions, deafness, uh, eye problems, blindness, etc. They just get them healed just like that, etc., etc., etc. Does that make sense? So the gifts of healings, and you ought to ask God, manifest what he wants to, but don't get the big head when he does, right? The last three are vocal gifts, and these are the lower gifts that have to have, you know, they've got to have some uh, uh, guidelines around them. The first one is the gift of prophecy. Everybody say prophecy. In its simplest form, prophecy means inspired utterance. That means you're minding your own business and that balloon starts blowing up on the inside and you just know that you know that you know God wants to say something. Let me tell you where this first starts. It starts in your prayer life. Listen to me. I started years ago, 1976, came to Jesus. I, and then that's when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit and started praying in the Spirit. And I'd get off and pray for a few minutes in the Spirit. And then while I was praying in the Spirit, it felt like, like the only way I can describe it, it felt like a balloon was blowing up inside. And with the balloon came words. Um, in fact, the first time I ever prophesied publicly, I'd already done it in my private prayer time. I know it sounds funny, but God will do things in private before he does things public. You get it? So, so if you're open to, the, to God, open to the Holy Spirit, that means, that means you got to cut the games off, got to cut the TV off, got to cut the, you know, got to cut all the stuff you're doing online off and spend some time with God for crying out loud. If you spend all your time doing other things, he won't do anything but look at you and say, how long are you going to wait? <laughs> I may come back before you decide, and then it'll be too late, right? So, so spend time. But I would spend time with the Lord, and the gift of prophecy would manifest. And I felt awkward, but I'll tell you, the inspiration was there. And for me as a young believer, it's like, wait a minute. I never did this my whole life. I have 18 years. I've never done this my whole life. And suddenly I have this inspiration of these words come. That ain't me. That's something else. And that something else was the Holy Ghost. See, you have those kinds of things happen to you. They, they let you know that God is real, that he's in your life, and that he's a supernatural being that lives inside of you. And it keeps you stirred up. Do you hear me? And then, you know, if you're in a public meeting and the people allow it and you do it right, then you can, that, that inspiration comes, let it go. If it's here, come up and let me give you a microphone. Is that all right? Should always agree with the word. Then there's different kinds of tongues and there's interpretation of tongues. And here's how that works. Now, I've been praying in the spirit for 47 years and, you know, I just know how it generally sounds. But while I'm praying in the Spirit, suddenly the dialect, whatever language it is, it ain't, it's not English, nothing I ever learned. It changes like uh, I mentioned October 6th, four years ago. Uh, it sounded like German. I've heard German. I've been to Germany. I know what it sounds like. I've had German friends that spoke German, and I've heard it online. So uh, I thought, wow, that sounds just like German. I don't know German. But with that, when it came immediately inside me, see, then the interpretation of tongues came, came. And I knew exactly what I was saying. And that, God uses me and started using me that in my private prayer life. And now sometimes, 
Now sometimes I'm in our prayer times here, I lead them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We have different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. We're a spirit-filled church. We allow that, right? We pray with our understanding. We pray the English. We pray in the spirit. But if you let these things manifest, what they do is bring the sense of the presence of God into your life. How many want a greater sense of the presence of Jesus in your life? Well, see, if you'll, if you'll ask God and, and allow him to use you to minister life to others, he'll minister life to you. So, so here's what I don't want you to do. Don't take what I said today and say, well, that was good for Pastor Mitch. That's not the reason I said it. God wants to use you. How many hear me? God wants to use you. In fact, your small group may be meeting. God may want to use you to prophesy. Edification, exhortation, and comfort, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, right? He just may want to use you to minister words. Now, it's not going, he's not going to use thou's, thus's, and King James Version Bible. He'll just use you. And there'll be an inspiration that comes. Picasso Cristeno abreste camatino. Lego griste mangreston bala imbrost alatainost. And so there is a moving of the spirit that will get stronger and greater as the days pass. And you'll see that in your private time, I will manifest myself and I will speak to you. And that which I speak to you in private, you'll say in the public time. For I will begin to use you and I will manifest myself through you if you'll humble yourself, desire them, and love. Now that's what I said in other tongues. Does that make sense? So that's different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. And sometimes when somebody's not very often, but sometimes when somebody else is praying in the spirit, I just kind of get a gist of what they're saying. Anytime somebody does that in a public meeting, I've asked the Lord, help me to know what they're saying because you're not supposed to pray in tongues and then, and then nobody knows what you're saying and then you go home, right? That's what 1 Corinthians 14 says. So I want to encourage you, let God use you in spiritual gifts. How many people would be open in this room for God to use you in spiritual gifts? Raise your hand. I want you to stand up on your feet, but don't go anywhere right now. I mean, right now. How many want God to use you? All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, now I was praying yesterday and I saw this. We're standing up and I'm leading you in a prayer for God to use you in spiritual gifts. I saw this yesterday. I was walking. I took a walk and I prayed and I saw this. So can we do this? Yes. You good? Yes. So I want you to close your eyes. Raise, I saw you raise your right hand toward heaven. Raise, raise your right hand. If you want God to use you, pray with me out loud. Heavenly Father, I am a believer and I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I love Jesus and I love other people. I want to walk in unity and I want all you have. And Lord, if you need to use somebody and you want to use somebody and I'm the only one there to be used, I ask you, use me in spiritual gifts to be a blessing to others. Let there come the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in my life to bless other people. In the name of Jesus, I am open to be used by you. The word of wisdom or the word of knowledge or discerning of spirits or the gift of faith or the working of miracles or the gifts of healings or different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues or prophecy. Count me in. I'm open to be used by you.
Holy Spirit, help me get to know you in Jesus' name. Lord, make me a blessing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Glory. Now, how many, you know, you just opened a door, right? All right, how many of you, you somewhere, and you feel like the Lord wants you to say something, and you know what the words are inside? How many are going to obey God? Let me tell you, uh, about less than half the hands went, well, I reckon. Listen, listen, listen. You, you got to be bold about this. I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. It's like, what if you mess up? What if you do? I've messed up before, right? So you got to overcome these thoughts in your mind that you can't do that, that you're not good enough. God used Peter and he messed up a bunch of times, right? Now God will use you and he wants to use you. So if you're open, before you leave your house in the morning, have some time of prayer, time in the Word. Say, God, use me today to bless people, right? If you'll do that, you'll find the Holy Spirit will use you to minister life to people. You may lay hands on the sick, or you may just simply have a word of encouragement to some, for someone. You don't know how many times. You have no idea. I'm at a, a checkout counter somewhere, and I just have this simple little thing to share with that person that's checking me. And they just smile real big and say, I needed that. Thank you. Or, or I'm at a restaurant and the waiter or waitress is talking. And I say, you know, you know, it just happens. Or I'm just, you know, in a store somewhere or whatever in public. And you just, this thing rises up. You don't try to, if it's not there, don't do it. But if it's there, yield, right? So you ready for this? Is this see, that makes every day exciting. It takes the blase out of the life of the believer. And you're on a journey with Jesus to bless people. And minister the life of God. Is that right?